So Psalm 35, this uh, Advent season, uh, we are contemplating some of the frustrating facets of life uh, in this broken world. Uh, One of the most painful things that we have to endure is hostility from other people. Human beings weren't created uh, for hate. Uh, We were created for love, not to hate each other or to, uh, to be hated, to suffer hatred. We were created for love, but we often face hatred, opposition, slander, malice, persecution, especially as Christ's people in this world. So uh, it is painful and it is disorienting when hatred characterizes our relationships because we weren't made for that. Uh, It's worst when the hostility that we face is uh, without reason, when it's baseless, unjustified, uh, uncalled for. So John Calvin said, nothing is more painful to us than to be falsely condemned and to endure wrongful violence and slander. So suffering wrongful, senseless hostility can be deeply distressing uh, and and consumes us. It can do real harm to us physically and socially and psychologically. Uh, We believe that one day the Lord will come and he'll make all these things right and he'll take away all our suffering. But until then... We suffer, and we need to learn to bring this kind of suffering into our relationship with God in Christ. We do that as we take up psalms like this one, like Psalm 35 that we're about to read, <clears throat> as we make God's word our own and, uh, and pray through suffering like this, crying out to God, how long will you merely look on? When are you going to come and do something about this suffering? So that's what we'll look at this morning. Let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, teach us that our relationship with you in Christ is always what matters most. And teach us how to relate to you in Christ through this word, this psalm, as we consider it together this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 35 of David. Contend, O Yahweh, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of Yahweh driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of Yahweh pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he doesn't know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it to his destruction. Then my soul will rejoice in Yahweh, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Yahweh, who is like you, delivering the poor from him, who is too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask of me uh, of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother, as one who laments his mother. I bowed down in mourning, but at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me. Wretches whom I did not know 
tore at me without ceasing, like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng, I will praise you. Let not those who rejoice over me, who are wrongfully my foes, and let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause, for they do not speak peace. But against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. They open wide their mouths against me. They say, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. You have seen, O Yahweh. Be not silent, O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Yahweh, my God, according to your righteousness. And let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Aha, our hearts desire. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, Great is Yahweh who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall sing, shall, shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> so many psalms have to do with the conflict uh, that God's people face in this world, crying out to God to save us from our enemies, to vindicate us, to avenge us, to make things right. This uh, psalm highlights a particular aspect of the hostility that we can suffer in this life. You see it in verse 7. Without cause, they hid their net for me. Without cause, they dug a pit for my life. Or verse 11, malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. Verse 19, those who are wrongfully my foes, those who hate me without cause. So if we suffer perse- uh, persecution or opposition, really, uh, because we've sinned, you know, that's one thing. And if you're a self-righteous jerk and you suffer opposition for it, uh, I mean, that's one thing. That's not what this is about. Uh, But this psalm is about suffering hostility without cause. It's a terrible reality in this sinful, broken world that the good face the unreasonable hostility of the evil. Evil hates what is good. Evil condemns what is good. And of course, evil has no good reason to hate what is good. The scriptures don't speak of good people and evil people in strictly abstract moral terms. The scriptures speak of good and evil with reference to our relationship with God. So the evil are those who are opposed to God, who are enemies of God. And the good are those who belong to God. They're God's people. They're with him, relationally. The wicked are against God. The righteous are with God. That's how the scriptures speak of good and evil. It's our relationship with God. It's what defines us. It's your relationship with God that defines you. The ultimate hostility without cause is the hostility of any sinner against the good God. There is no good reason to condemn God. There never has been, there never will be. He is perfect in his goodness. So if you would condemn God, you will always do that without justification, without cause. 
will always be senseless, illogical, unreasonable, which uh, exposes our evil. Right? It exposes your evil when you oppose God <clears throat> because there's no good reason to do so. Evil exalts itself in judgment against God, but its judgment is bad. Its judgment is false, faulty and false. Evil is unreasonable in its hatred of God. If you belong to God, if you're one of his people, well, that doesn't mean you've led a perfectly good and righteous life, but it does mean that you are in relationship with the one who is perfectly good. And it's actually through that relationship, by association with him, that you also are considered good, that you're counted righteous. That's how our salvation works. Sinners who were once enemies of God, we loved what is evil and we hated what is good. We are justified. We're declared righteous by faith in the only righteous one. It's through our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's by our association with him, that we can be counted among the righteous, the good. It's for the sake of this relationship with Jesus that we are accepted by the good God. And it's also for the sake of this relationship with Jesus that we are hated by those who are evil. Evil hates what is good. Evil condemns what is good. So sinners hate the good God. And sinners hate what God calls good, including his people, when he freely and graciously calls us good. Sinners hate when God's people remind them of God's goodness. Because it reminds them of their own guilt. It reminds them of their own evil. Their own bad judgment. Their own groundless hostility towards God and his goodness. <clears throat> so David faced the hostility of many sinners, many points in his life, because of his relationship with God. It wasn't exactly his pure, spotless uh, morality that, uh, that his enemies hated. David was a sinner himself, guilty of many terrible crimes throughout his life, but God, in his good mercy and grace, had chosen David to be the ruler of his people and to be his representative among the nations. And the sheer fact of that relationship, relationship with the good God, was enough to evoke the unreasonable hostility of a world full of sinners. And as God's people in this world, we in the church, also have been chosen by his free mercy and grace. We definitely have not been chosen because of our sinless perfection. We have sinned against God in many ways and been guilty of many terrible crimes. But God, in his good mercy and grace, has called us to be his special people. He's set us apart through our relationship with his son, Jesus. He's given us the privilege of representing him in this world. So often doesn't feel like a privilege because a world full of sinners who are defined by their enmity with God will often hate and condemn us without cause simply because of our association with God, our association with Jesus. Around the world and throughout history, sinners harbor malice toward Christians. They plot against Christians. They set traps for Christians. They falsely accuse and attack Christians without cause. This means Christians suffer hostility and our attackers cannot be reasoned with. You don't fix those relationships merely by reasoning. <clears throat> this is most painful when, in fact, 
Others return evil for good. So as it says in verse 12, they repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother as one who laments his mother. I bowed down in mourning. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me. Wretches whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing. Like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. So the hostility hurts most when we've loved, when we've cared, when we've served and given and prayed and sought the good of others. And then they repay us with mocking and they attack us and they smear our reputations. They cook up lies about us. They stir up mobs against us and they cancel us and they celebrate when we suffer harm. That's when the hostility hurts most. When we extend the goodness and the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of the God of love, and it's met with hatred and false accusations, even violence. When they repay evil for good, this is the height of unreasonable hostility. It doesn't make any sense to reward good with evil. That is destructive It's antithetical to peace, to shalom, to relationships of love that we were created for. It's absolutely opposite to the way things are meant to be. We weren't created to hate each other or to suffer hatred. It's literally killing us to suffer hostility like this. How long do we have to endure in this broken world? How long until God does something about the hostility that we face? How long, O Lord, will you look on, verse 17, Rescue me from their destruction. So through this psalm, you see it in many places. David utterly surrenders any desire for vengeance uh, to God. He doesn't say, equip me to contend with my enemies. He says, you contend with those who contend against me. He asks for poetic justice. He says in verse 8, let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it. But he's not plotting it himself. He's asking God to bring justice. He's submitting to the true judgment of the only good judge. That's what he does throughout this psalm. David looks to God alone to make things right. He says, you have seen, O Yahweh. Be not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Yahweh, my God, according to your righteousness. So David looks to God alone be the righteous judge between him and his enemies. He looks to God alone for salvation and deliverance and vindication. And at the right time, God came. He came into the world bringing his righteousness, bringing his salvation, bringing his vindication with him. We cannot ignore the reality that the Lord has come near, just not perhaps in the way anyone anticipated or wanted. Because when God came into the world to do something about problems like this, when God came into the world in the person of his son, Jesus, the first thing he did was join David and join us in facing senseless hostility. He didn't eradicate senseless evil. He suffered it. He represented God in his pure goodness. He loved He cared, he served, he gave, he prayed, and he sought the good of others. 
Jesus embodied the goodness and the grace and the truth of the God of love and all of his goodness was repaid with evil. When he spoke words of forgiveness and compassion, they looked to tear him down. When he showed kindness and mercy, they went murderously mad. Sinners sought his life, devised evil against him, set traps for him. Malicious witnesses rose up against him with false accusations. They gnashed their teeth at him, and they mocked him and ridiculed him. They rejoiced at his crucifixion. They gathered around, taunting, spitting, celebrating. They felt they had the victory in his destruction. And Jesus made this psalm his own when he taught his disciples, as we read in uh, Our gospel reading from John 15, that he suffered the persecution of the world, that all his good works had been met with hatred because, he says, the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. And then he quotes Psalm 35, they hated me without a cause. So Jesus has made this psalm his. He's met us in this psalm by suffering senseless hostility himself. Evil hates what is good. Evil condemns what is good. Therefore, sinners hated and condemned Jesus without cause. There's no good reason for it. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Well, the the Lord saw, and the Lord came near, and the Lord answered. And his answer was, in his own suffering, unreasonable hostility himself. He came, he became like us, he suffered with us in order to redefine everything through our relationship with him. He came to do something about how we suffer senseless hatred in the world. He came to make such suffering a place for our communion with him. It's an opportunity for knowing him. Even a privilege of representing him in this world. We suffer hostility because of our association with Jesus. And the most wonderful thing about that, the greatest gift, is our association with Jesus. God's people go through this world like he himself has gone through this world. We face the same things our king has faced. It is the life of the son of God himself that we live. You see the privilege of that, the blessing of that? Yes, it means we endure hostility. When the Lord came into the world, he didn't eradicate senseless hostility. In fact, if anything, his people have had even more opportunities to suffer with him since he's come into the world. We've had even more opportunities to bring our suffering into our relationship with him. Remember Stephen, uh, Acts chapter 6 and 7. He was the first martyr after Christ's death and resurrection. Stephen says that he was full of grace and power and wisdom and the Holy Spirit. And the enemies of God secretly instigated false accusations against him. They stirred up a mob against him. And when he proclaimed the gospel to them, the truth of the God of love. Rather than doing the reasonable thing and repenting, they were enraged. They gnashed their teeth at him. They stoned him to death. And this has been the earthly end of many of Christ's people. But what did Stephen see as he suffered senseless hostility for Christ's sake? Whom did he see? It says, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. 
He had communion with Jesus in the moment of his suffering, senseless hostility. We have communion with Jesus when we suffer because of our association with him. And because we endure with him, we shall also be vindicated with him. As Jesus died on the cross, he called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, didn't seek vengeance for himself, didn't take judgment into his own hands, didn't revile when he was reviled. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, and his father did receive his spirit. He accepted Jesus into his presence, and he vindicated Jesus by raising him from the dead. Jesus was declared to be the righteous son of God to the shame and disappointment of all his enemies who had thought to rejoice over his crucifixion. And we will be saved, we will be vindicated with Jesus because of our association with him. Again, remember Stephen. The wonderful thing about Stephen is how his ministry, as it's recorded there, his suffering, his death, is just a reflection of Jesus. His life took the shape of the life of the Son of God. He suffered senseless hostility, and as he was dying at the hands of the crowd, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Just as Jesus had entrusted himself to the Father, Stephen entrusted himself to God in Christ. And because Jesus was received and accepted and vindicated, so also Stephen was received and accepted and vindicated in the glorious presence of God because of his association with Jesus, because of that relationship. That association is the only thing that truly matters. That relationship is the only thing that matters. Not what sinners think of us, not what sinners say about us, not even in the courts, not what sinners do to us, but what God has said about our relationship with him, what God has done for us in Christ, what God has promised that he will do when Jesus comes again. In that day, God's judgment will be made clear to all. God's judgment will make all things right. God's judgment will establish true peace. And those who belong to Jesus will be delivered and vindicated before all, once and for all. In Jesus Christ, God has said to our souls, I am your salvation. Salvation means association with him. Communion with him. Which he has provided in his coming into the world. Fellowshipping with us in this senseless hostility that we face. Transforming it into a participation in his life, which has been vindicated by God. His life has been vindicated by God, and so ours will too. So First Peter, we'll close with um, this. I think it's printed there in the bulletin from First Peter chapter 2. This is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So when others judge you falsely, 
and trust yourself to the one whose judgment is just and true. Find your life in your association with Jesus and let him change the way you face senseless hostility in this world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you've sent your son to be with us in places that we did not expect and in ways that we did not anticipate. Now we live in a world characterized by this tension between the reality of Christ's first coming and and then the longing for his second coming to make all things right. Help us to endure this tension. Help us to face the opposition your people have always faced faithfully, knowing that we meet Jesus there, that we know him there, that we share in his life there. Save us, deliver us through our fellowship with you in our suffering, and come again soon to save us even from all suffering. Vindicate us as we entrust ourselves to you, as we look to you for all our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.